Hello, and welcome to the Quacks Podcast. I am Lucas, here with Brian. Hello, hello. How's it going, Brian? I'm going well. How are you going? Going pretty good. Happy to be recording. Yes, very much so. Beautiful day we're yep. having. Beautiful day. We're not going to talk about the weather. Nope. Nope. No, 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 no. We could sit here and talk about the weather all day long, but, <laughs> yep, <laughs> but we're, we're not going. We're not going to do that. That was a one-time <laughs> thing. It's not going to happen again. So we got a good show for you today. We're going to talk about something crazy called mewing. It's a little bit uh, different than what we usually talk about, but it's kind of blowing up on the internet right now, so I think it's going to be good. And it's non-bovine in nature, just to let you guys know. No cows were hurt. Correct. During the making of totally this podcast. Totally vegan totally vegan yeah uh but first uh i just want to tell you a little something about my weekend so i uh i have a little gathering that i go to on saturday night and so i was there and this guy was there who's new and he had like just gotten into health stuff so like six months ago he had started reading and watching youtube videos and stuff and so he was really into uh, a couple guys a couple doctors who were like yeah i got the i got the last word on health you know they were looking at like the china study which is uh, a big study they did on china that basically says veganism is good okay. or vegetarianism is good not veganism and so i was talking to this guy and it was just it was really obvious after talking with him for a while that like he had made some of these doctors into his gurus. Yes. And I think it's something, it's something that I see a lot of and it's something that I've done a lot of. Like I had gurus when I was learning this <laughs> yeah, stuff. Of course. Um, but as time has gone on, I've, I've realized how little we know about a lot of this stuff. Right. So I just kind of wanted to talk real quick about gurus and some of like, the things to watch out for because there's a lot of health gurus out there and they kind of all fit into like different archetypes. Like there's the mommy blog guru who's like going to tell you about like this <laughs> new diaper or whatever. And then there's, there's like the mid thirties, early forties, uh, you know, kind of buff guy guru who's going to be like, yeah, man, you can upgrade your life, hack your muscles, you know? And then there's like the old guy guru who's like in his late fifties, early sixties, he still has a little hair. And, and like there's, (laughs) it's, it's funny, but like they all fall into these kind of certain archetypes. Different tropes. Yeah. And I just wanted to give you a warning. Like these gurus, they don't, they don't make their living they make their living by being a guru like and they're not dumb they know what butters their bread and and what butters their bread is not like self-reflection or like being wrong or going back to mistakes they made and say hey i used to think this but sorry i told all you people to do this it's totally wrong completely so like their their income is usually very much tied to what they're selling and even if you think they're not selling anything oh they just put info out for free nobody eats free right you cannot consume free it will not sustain you so if it's by advertising if it's by uh plugs they give for stuff they make money somehow usually and i become skeptical the moment they start selling or shilling product like i i've had that they're you're buying into it buying into it and then you're like oh what's this coming out of the, coming out of the pocket what are they trying to it's the that's old, right and it's the old shell game yeah and it's it's just like I, I just want to which is not to say which is not to say that it doesn't work the product doesn't work it's just, it could it's just they're they're compromised at that point the issue you're gonna have is let me tell you this I've read a, read a bunch of studies they are so conflicting and if you don't know right now there's a scientific um, 
really like it's a catastrophe. It's a replication crisis. 50% of the studies that they put out today cannot be replicated. Toss a coin. Like 50% of studies that you like you see a new study come out in the New York Times or Washington Post or whatever and they say so and so means so and so now or if you take, you know, this, 50% of those cannot be replicated. And you know, reading these studies let me let me just go back here for a sec. So reading these studies, replication crisis, yes, but a lot of them are very conflicting. And so what these gurus do is they'll take a certain subset and they'll sell it to you as this is totally true. And it's it's not necessarily context is everything. Right. And what happens is when you listen to a guru and you say, ah, he's right, you tend to ignore your own context. And when you do that, you can get stuck on some low carb or high carb or keto or whatever disaster for years before you finally figure out like, ah, oh, this is, this is really not working for me. Is that true in third party testing situations too? Or it's like you have somebody doing third party, running third party tests and they can't be replicated. What do you, you mean? Like personally or yeah, are you talking, are you talking about uh, gurus that, that might be using third party testing for some of their products? You're, you're talking like the sources of the research. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's how how do I want to say this? the The source of the studies definitely matter, and some of those studies, when they say there's a fifty percent, you know, unable to, some of those studies do have conflicts of interest. Yes, but they're not they're not separating it out, so we don't know. Right. So obviously, you have to take each study on a case by case basis. You can't just do a blanket like you know, all studies are bad, all studies are good, nothing like that. So take it with a grain of salt or is there more credence to it than than that? Well, it's, yes, take it, just be skeptical. Okay. Be skeptical because if your context is different, you can have something cause the exact opposite of what you think it's going to do. That's oh. how your body works. Your body works in balance. And so you take something and it swings it one way and you think that way is going to be good. But if your context to start was different, it will swing it sometimes the opposite way. Like that's just something your body does. It's like if you take too much testosterone, it'll turn into estrogen, it's aromatization. So uh, too much testosterone can, in the end, kind of be feminizing a little bit, you know? Completely. So there's there's just a balance there. And also with the gurus, I mean, a lot of them will totally BS you. Like those guys in their 30s and early 40s who have the trim waist and like they're muscular, most of those guys are like on TRT, which is testosterone replacement therapy, and, or they're microdosing LSD, or they're on modafinil, which is a, like a brain enhancer. Like they're usually on some kind of drug. And they don't just tell you like, hey, take TRT. It makes you confident and ambitious and, and go after things because they want to sell you something. Like they don't tell you what made them a success. Exactly. You know, they'll, they'll, they're selling you a product. And, and even those old guys, like the old study monger guys who like have the glasses and the, they're so smart, you know, and, and you just revere them because wow, they must know everything. Like Jack LaLanne even. Yeah. Or like that, uh, that guy who does the probiotics for Garden of Life, uh, Perlman, or I, I don't know. Anyway, Pearl Matter, that guy. Yeah, you just have to remember 50% of studies fail to be replicated. And so when they come out as really sure of something, you can just kind of be like, okay, this might not be as much sureness or whatever. You just know? use deductive thinking and use your own reasoning and just be open minded, but also listen to yourself because more often than not, you might be able to get to the bottom of the BS too. Totally. Your body is going to be way better than a guru at telling you 
what to do. You Especially know? since every body is different. Yeah, and a lot of these gurus, they, they'll put that thing in now. You might feel bad at first. Yeah, you might feel bad at first. If, it, if, if you feel bad for longer than a couple of weeks, like really start to question stuff. <laughs> if it's, I'm serious. Like I, I, I was into this like hair mineral testing for like two years. I felt bad for two years thinking this is part of the process. I'm, I'm detoxing. I mean, it's just, it's awful. I mean, I two years that. of my life are gone. So detoxification is not necessarily, uh, a, a, you know, a good thing as far as that's what they're telling you. That's what you're, you're feeling. Yeah. There's a lot of contention around detox. So anyway, anything, uh, you want to, you, you kind of wanted to get something off your chest about something at the store. Well, uh, just one of the things that I, I notice, um, and it happened, something happened today where, um, somebody comes in with a very chronic illness, uh, potentially deadly illness, and they're looking for a hail Mary, yeah. Um, this particular person had brain cancer, has brain cancer. And it's one of those things where they never took any preventative measures previous to having this diagnosis. And they want it to be fixed in a natural means when they've been told by conventional medicine that there's nothing that they can do for them pretty much. Wow. Um, so a terminal patient. Ter- terminal basically. patient. Um, I say patient, but customer, you know, customer, customer. Yep, correct. Uh, so uh, it, it, I, I just want to urge people and it's it's been nice to see younger and younger people coming in and getting preventative things that will help prevent certain things in the future rather than waiting to the last minute when, you know, a lot of old people coming in for the first time going, I need to have this because my heart is about to stop. And you're like, <laughs> well, sir, if you had started this 20 years prior to having this condition now, you would have had a much better chance. So I just urge everyone, there's so much information out there. Do your research. If you're experiencing issues right now or not experiencing or say you have hereditary issues in your family, come on in or go wherever you need to go, pick up supplements or whatever it is, do your research. But Start the process now because sometimes it's too late later on down the road. And I know we've been saying this forever. I'm guilty of it too. But uh, let's get going on it now. There's so much we can do. There's so many things available to us. And uh, it's just, it's better to nip it in the bud. We're all guilty of it, right? I mean, you ask any old person, it's like, wow, I wish I would have taken care of my teeth or I wish I would, you know, they they always have something. Exactly. So let's learn from that rather than saying that old coot. Yeah, exactly. Which my boss doesn't like when I refer to the customers as old coot, but it was applicable. <laughs> what did you What did you tell this lady with the terminal brain cancer? Well, she had come in and she had heard that CBD was great for cancer and cognitive function in general. And um, <clears throat> she told me she had brain cancer. And of course, I had to say, I'm not a doctor. You know, of course. I, I, I can't... Uh, can't tell you what's going to help and what's not going to help. But when you've got stage four cancer and they're telling you that it's non-operable or inoperable um, brain cancer and you're coming in um, looking for a miracle cure, uh, I'm telling you, basically, I, I can say, listen, these things may help you in the sense of giving you some relief, but it, it's most likely not going to cure your condition. You know, I, I'm not here to, to defeat you and defeat your hopes in any way, but I'm just, I'm seeing it. And it's so hard to look in these people's faces who are looking for this Hail Mary pass and telling them, listen, I just want to be honest with you. Yeah. This is not a, a, a miracle. Yeah. You don't want to give them hope. 
but I don't want to crush their hope. You know, yeah, I know you're being sarcastic, true. but I do want to I'm, give them I'm hope. I'm kind of being sarcastic, but kind of not. Like, right. You don't want their hope to rest on you. Completely. You know, or in whatever you're sense. giving them. <laughs> yeah, in a legal sense. But but I don't want to crush that spirit because I do think, you know, you hear these people who get diagnosed and then a week later they're dead because yeah. they basically laid down and died. So I do think that there is some something in merit in, in your, your mental um, acuity. Mm-hmm. But it's not gonna it's not gonna save you all the time at the end of the day. No, it's not. More often than not, it will not. It's preventative the, people. Yes. Do things now, not later. Ounce of prevention. Yep. Equals. I don't know the. I don't know that old. It's like Thomas Thomas Jefferson, or maybe it's Benjamin Franklin. He said, "An ounce of prevention is equal to a pound of cure." I love it. Right. Those uh, way out. Right. I have a bumper sticker to find. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So today we're going to talk about Dr. Mike Mew. Uh, and this is a little bit outside of what we usually talk about, uh, so I hope it's interesting, but it's really blowing up on the web right now, so I thought, you know, this is timely. Yeah, let's do it. So he's an orthodontist, and he's got a great YouTube channel that we're going to link to, and in the past few years, people have come up, he's been talking about what's being called mewing, after his last name, obviously, and He's as an orthodontist, he's basically responsible for the shape of people's faces, which means their mouth, their teeth, uh, their nose. And so he has extensive videos on what makes people's faces attractive. Okay. And he would know because basically he he should know because he's dealing with mostly kids, you know, because as you're growing, you, your face is growing. And so he helps shape these kids' faces so that they become more attractive. Makes that's perfect what, sense. That's what orthodontists do, right? <laughs> um, so there's this idea kind of that's out there and it's, it's kind of true, but it's, there's this idea that beauty is in, in the eye of the beholder, which is true to a certain extent, but there are objective like facial structures that we as humans find attractive. And these facial structures actually tend to coincide with good health, which is why we find them attractive in the first place. Our, our animal brains are basically like programmed to find people who would make good mothers and fathers attractive to us. Yes. You know, that's why octopuses are attracted to other octopuses. I don't know, or horses to horses or whatever. They have they have all those little things that say, ah, this is a good good father or mother (laughs) a good match yes and so in humans this is why if you hold up a picture of attractive people from around the world whether they're from siberia or iceland or africa they all tend to have similar facial structures if they're attractive there's a little differences some have piercings whatever but they all tend to have the same facial structure so dr mew he goes all into this so i'm going to give him credit i'm summarizing his work here basically okay so what makes you attractive your face has two horseshoe shapes on it and you can kind of think of you can kind of think of your jawline as the bottom U shape and then the inner U shape, you can kind of think it starts like it's your nose, like kind of by your tear ducts and comes down and, you know, on the side of your nose into your mouth. And like, that's kind of the second U and these two U shapes, the bone structure is what makes up your face. And the cool thing is you can actually manipulate these shapes that makes you more attractive. Right. Now, it's obviously easier in children because they are still growing. Their bones are more flexible. Pliable. And so they're pliable. Yes. Yeah. So if you have a five or six year old, you can actually look up orthotropics or something like that, which is what this guy does. And you can go find a practitioner and get your kid in there. And this will make them more attractive if you can, you know, shell out the money or whatever. Um, 
we're, we're just going to talk about free things just to put that in there. We're not talking about <laughs> shelling out money. So you can do drastic changes in children and you can actually see these drastic changes online if you want to go look, but you can actually still do it in adults. So after 25, making those changes is harder, but it's still possible. The 28 bones in your skull never actually fuse in a healthy adult. Really? Yes. I didn't know this. I did not either. And Dr. Mew, he has this saying, in a fight between muscles and bones, the muscles win given enough time. And so you're going to use your muscles, if you want to do this, to make yourself more attractive over time. More, more, more. Yes. So what does an attractive person look like? So this is, a, I guess, the technical part. But when you see like a model human skull, like you're watching Shakespeare or something like that, and, and it's perfectly lined up teeth and the jaw is uh, at a right angle and you can kind of put the jaw and the skull on a table and it sits there, that is what we generally find attractive. That strong right angle kind of lifts the face up. Now, as the jaw angle becomes more than 90 degrees and it kind of goes down humans tend to find that as the face gets longer, it's less attractive. Okay. So you can kind of get this idea by finding like where your jaw meets your neck, like below your earlobes and then kind of feeling your jawline and you come down and then you figure out, you know, as it goes out, what is the slope? The more straight out it is, the more it kind of scrunches your face upward. It's a technical term. Scrunches. Yeah, scrunch. yeah. And that's what we tend to find more attractive is when that, when it's, when it's that right angle and the face is, is lifted. And if you look at attracted faces, they're bright and they're lifted. Whereas if you find a face that's kind of elongated and drooping down, mm -hmm. it doesn't look as nice. So you're talking about high cheekbones and that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Basically. Um, and we're not talking about skin either. Uh, we're just talking about bone structure here. Okay. So shape. Yes. Shape. Uh, so this is any age basically. Um, and so what Dr. Mew teaches you how to do is to raise your face up. And I read accounts of people doing this for a few months and have had like really drastic improvements. Wow. And yeah. And, and by improvements, I mean, I don't just mean like their jawline gets stronger and they look better. I mean, they do, but they sleep better. They breathe better. They stop snoring or mouth breathing. Uh, they get better digestion from better chewing or their back and shoulders stop hurting and become straighter. Actually, in one of his video, Dr. Mew is talking about uh, the nurses who work with him. And they're always in his office listening to him as he talks to patients. And what he says is everyone who's worked with him, all these nurses, they become more attractive over the years because they have these practices drilled into them day after day after day. Wow. Which is kind of cool. Um, I wonder how much of that is symmetry related too, because I've heard that that's part of it. Symmetry is a big deal. And part of what happens when you have an asymmetrical face is the muscles are losing tone and the bones are slipping down oh on one side. Um, so yeah, that's part of it for sure. Yeah. Cause I look in the mirror sometimes and I'm like, I, I haven't had a stroke that I'm aware of <laughs> yet. I do see significant <laughs> droopage on one side. It feels like, yeah, now, I don't know how much of that is in my head. It's all in my head actually. Uh, no pun intended, but, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I actually had braces when I was a kid and they, you know, they tell you to wear a retainer after you have braces forever. And I obviously didn't. And about five or six years ago, I stopped using my retainer and one of my eyes is lower than the other now. So I'm kind of hoping this will slowly <laughs> change things back. I lost my retainer in probably eighth grade at Peter Piper pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can find it. Yeah. You know, it's also interesting. He mentions that like a lot of um, people who get famous end up 
becoming more attractive because they have their picture taken all the time. And so they learn to kind of stand up straighter, their posture gets better and they get better. And so over time, like they get more attractive, which I thought was funny. It's kind of like the rich getting richer, but the famous people get more famous. Oh my gosh, just what they need. That's right. And the plastic surgery. Don't forget the plastic surgery. But you know, the structure too. (laughs) (laughs) So as you're doing these practices, there are a few things to remember. First, time is the most important factor over force. Time is more important than force. Straining your tongue or your jaw is not going to help you. It's like consistency day after day. Um, And it could take a while. Changes, they're slight. They come over months and years. You really want to make these things like a practice, not like like that you do every day, like how you live your life. You want it to be a practice, but not a practice. This is just how you are now. Okay. And you just want to get to a place where all this feels natural. So I was a little conflicted on whether to give the listeners the actual, some of these techniques over a podcast because like listening to the technique uh, may make it more difficult than watching them in videos. But I thought, <laughs> you know, if you're not going to watch a video, maybe a short primer will be good. So I'm going to over explain these a little bit just to make sure you really get them. But you can obviously go watch the videos. And then I can explain what I'm seeing happen before me. There, there you go. Okay. You could try that. Um, and there's two, two main things that Mewing addresses. Um, I'm sorry, there's two techniques that we're going to talk about. And the first is an eating technique that you can practice every time you eat. And that's going to work on your posture. So get ready. Here's the technique. So as you're sitting to eat, you want your neck and back aligned with each other. The best way to imagine how to do this is to kind of tuck your chin under a little bit or to imagine that there's like a string attached to the crown of your head, Mm -hmm. like where guys go bald, and that that string is kind of pulling up slightly. And you want to exaggerate this and like lean back a little bit. Um, And you're going to look silly. You know, you're going to have like this double chin, but you're not going to walk around like, I mean, you can walk around like this all the time if you want to, but this is just the exercise and it's, it's a posture to counteract how we usually are because how we usually are is we're always like leaning forward and our chin is sticking out and the neck and back are slightly rounded and this is the this is a bad posture okay so we want to kind of get the double chinned exaggerated posture where we're kind of like got that chin tucked in and another good way to think of this is if you stand on the wall with a relaxed position so no need to like stretch your shoulders back into the wall or anything and then you put your head against the wall and you want that little knob in the back of your head to be up against the wall. And when that touches, try and raise that knob up against the wall higher without losing contact with it. And that will kind of give you the correct positioning to be in. Okay. So it's got to touch the wall. You've got your chin tucked in. Yeah. You got that little knob touching the wall, just normal, relaxed, and then raise that knob on the wall. And that kind of gives you the correct position and you want as many double chins as you can manage man i've got more chins than a chinese telephone directory (laughs) (laughs) oh that was good um so yeah and and you're you're exaggerating it like i said because it's an exercise you don't want to walk around with the double chin but it will get you into the right position it will get your body kind of into that position that that you need to do that so as you're doing this posture you're going to go to eat and you can, one thing he says to do is you put your non-dominant hand behind your back and pull your, to pull your shoulders back. You can do that too. Um, so you're going to eat and you're going to dip your spoon into your soup or whatever it is. And (laughs) does it have to be soup? It only soup. (laughs) And you're going to raise the soup to your mouth. 
you're not going to bring your mouth to the spoon, all right? You're not going to hunch over your food and and so what's shovel left it of in. what's in the spoon is gonna, you're going to Exactly. Put you're going to you're going to be leaning you're going to be doing the double chin lean back and you're raising your food to your mouth, okay? And then as it goes in your mouth, you're going to chew completely until the food is total mush with your head against the wall. <laughs> no, no. This is okay. you're just in the position. The head against the wall is just to figure out okay, okay, what okay. the position is. Okay. I just want to know because I'm doing this tonight. So I know. I just okay. Make sure okay. I get this right. Yeah. So you're going to chew completely until it's total mush. And that's important because there's enzymes, especially if you're eating carbs, there's enzymes in your mouth. They're going to mix with those, that food and that carb and help break it down. So okay. it's important that it's total mush. Uh, it's going to help with your digestion. As you swallow, you want your mouth closed. And the proper way to swallow is without moving your mouth or facial muscles at all and this is going to be difficult for many people as they want to move their lips around or flex their face when they swallow <laughs> it's my, might take some practice all right um and and what's really going to help it is to get the proper tongue position in your mouth which we'll go into of course but what's interesting i didn't even know this most people there's a different way to swallow when you're a baby as when you're an adult and most people they still swallow using the mechanism that they used when they were babies so they, they're basically, they're sucking in and flexing their facial muscles and jaw as they swallow. And so you can tell if you're still swallowing like a baby, if you're flexing your jaw or moving your facial muscles or something like that. Wow. I know. That's, that's fascinating. When you, to, to properly swallow, your facial muscles should not be involved at all. Um, and the way this works is you push your tongue against the roof of your mouth and that pushes like these buttons on the roof of your mouth, so to speak, and and it pushes the food back in your throat, and then you your your throat swallows on there, its own. That's insane. Your throat's doing the work. So proper tongue technique, mm. proper tongue positioning. This is probably the most difficult part. The tongue should be resting on the top of your mouth. And the way you can get this right to, to figure out how to do it is first say the word out loud. Na 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 na. Okay, so you kind of feel where your tongue, is, the tip of your tongue is. Yes, it's kind of right behind your front teeth, and mm-hmm. it's on a little spot that's kind of sensitive. You can kind of feel that spot, like that, like there's a nerve there. That's where the tip of your tongue should be. Now, the rest of your tongue, you want to be up against the top of your mouth too, and this is the hard part. So, the back of your tongue should be against the soft palate in the back of your throat. And the best way to feel this is to say the word sing. 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 And as you say that mm part, you can kind of feel where your tongue should be. Sing. Sing. Yes. And Got so it. you want the tip of your tongue at that spot and then the back of your tongue in the mm spot. I got it. You're yeah. looking at me like you're you're like, all right, come on now. Uh, no, you no, can no. Do you, this. you got it. Okay. <laughs> so this is proper tongue position. And basically, um, resting the front part of your mouth on the hard palate all the way back to the soft part of your, the soft palate at the back of your mouth. Okay. Your tongue should not touch your teeth. It shouldn't be touching the molars or anything like that. And if you get a little bit of suction mm. doing that, if you feel a little suction in the back, that is the optimal position. I to just be got in. it. I just felt that. That's crazy. Yeah, a little bit of suction. Right when you were saying that, I go, ooh, I think I might have lodged something. Yeah, and it's not going to feel natural until you practice it for a while, but you do the chin tuck, and it actually, doing that tongue thing becomes easier as you do the more 
more of the chin tuck. And what that's doing is it's using the muscle of your tongue to push up the top U in your face. And so if you, for years, you don't have correct tongue positioning, that top U falls down over the years because it's not being pushed up by your muscles. Wow. So to help with his tongue technique, there's the second technique we want to talk about, and that's called tongue chewing. And so what you want to do is you want to get a piece of gum and start chewing it. And chewing gum will strengthen the bottom U of your jaw. And so that that's the, the, the second U. It's going to make your, you know, your little corners or whatever by your ears stick out a little bit more. Now, what you want to do is you want to roll that piece of gum up with your tongue and then put it kind of up, up against the top of your mouth. And you want to use your tongue in the proper tongue technique to push that piece of gum into the top of your mouth and flatten it. And then you're going to take it off the top of your mouth, roll it up into a little ball again, put it up there again, and push your tongue to flatten that piece of gum into wow. the top top of your palate. And what this is going to do is over time, it's going to lift up that middle part of your face. And so what I when I first started doing this, it kind of hurt. What I would do is in my car, I drive places for 20 or 30 minutes. I just take a piece of gum, pop it in my mouth, and do it while I'm driving. It's going to kind of hurt down at the base of your tongue if your tongue isn't that strong you're going to feel it like mm. almost by your um by your lymph nodes or something like yeah, that Yeah, I'm feeling something now just doing it here sitting watching yeah, you do it. Yeah. That'll go away actually. Your tongue gets stronger. It's it's pretty wild. Did you know that the tongue is actually the strongest muscle in the body? I've heard that, but I've also heard it's your butt. Uh, I'm not going <laughs> to test that theory. <laughs> no, I mean, think about your butt. It like holds everything in place and that's true. I mean, it's got to be pretty tough anyway. <laughs> so yeah, by pushing upwards, um, that's a whole other mewing technique. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so by always pushing upwards, you push that inner U shape of your mouth up. Like I was saying, scrunching, scrunching is really the wrong word as it kind of sounds like you ate something sour. Um, but it's more like raising your face upwards. And as this happen, happens, your facial muscles and bones align correctly. Your posture straightens, your airways open up, and your face grows outwards instead of downwards. And so if you look at people in profiles, you can see that if, you're, if the chin is kind of weak and slopes downward, those that's not an attractive look. The, the face tends to be skinnier. What you want is for that chin to be up and for the face to grow outwards. Okay. So that's... That's what humans find more attractive. Okay. Anyway, I'm going to put a couple videos up um, with, you know, links and you can kind of watch him and watch some of the people that he's treated and the, the awesome transformations. Dr. Mew. Dr. Michael Mew. And I just want to kind of give a warning for everyone that this is only for educational purposes. Um, if you have like severe orthodontic problems, like I read, there's some people who just can't do this. They cannot like this one girl did a video on YouTube and said it took her two weeks to get the proper tongue position that it was so difficult. So if your mouth is too narrow, like the top part is too narrow, it might be impossible for you to do the proper tongue positioning and stuff. And so, you know, and, just be and, aware of that. And one of the things that you may be hearing in the background is actually Lucas's dog, Davey, practicing some of these techniques right now, if you can hear that. No, they can't hear that. <laughs> can it's they too not? soft. It really I is. They might be able to hear it. He's the cutest in the world, by the way. 
Yeah. You do have a great dog. I know. We'll cut it out. It's all good. Okay. Good. <laughs> good. You cut that out. Yeah. I didn't know if you could hear that or not. Okay. I didn't even notice. Okay. Anyway. Okay. That, that's mewing. So basically the two techniques are the food technique. You're going to tuck your chin under. You're going to raise, you know, kind of raises the top of your head up. And then the other technique is the tongue chewing. So get some gum, put it in your car. And if you're driving somewhere for 30 minutes, just push that piece of gum into the top of your mouth over and over and over again. It's going to hurt, which is what it's supposed to do. And after you do this for about a week, the coolness and the newness wears off and then it's just a grind then it's just something you gotta you you just want to do it for years and take some pictures of yourself and you'll see over time your face will grow the right way so this is one of those preventative things that we're talking about starting it now to have better facial features later on exactly prevent some of that droopage and there's only two techniques i mean it seems like it's not a whole lot to ask for your face no know? it's not i mean it, it does uh i mean when i do the uh the chin tucking thing. I mean, I, I do it when I'm walking around sometimes and it does kind of strain my neck a little bit. So it's like definitely something I'm not used to. But once you've done it enough, it's something that just becomes commonplace in your existence. So, I mean, that's a great thing too. It just becomes, becomes a, uh, a habit. It just becomes another part of your, uh, your life. Yeah. It just becomes another part of your life. I like that. Yep. And I have noticed that you've been getting more attractive with every podcast that we've made. Thank you. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that you knew that. I'm glad somebody noticed. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's great. I love it. I'm definitely going to start this because it doesn't cost any money to do either. Yeah. And you have a 16-year-old daughter. I mean, I she do. could do it and it would be like, you might see amazing things over the next year if she did it. Yeah, if we can somehow incorporate vaping into that as well. Oh, God. I think I could nail this. Oh, God. <laughs> it's really interesting because, like, I had regular orthodontics when I was a kid. And basically what they say is regular orthodontics brings your teeth backwards. And so that's how it corrects, like, the the massive overbite is it brings their teeth backwards. What that does is it makes your face longer. And those, those manipulations, they don't stick. And that's why you have to wear the retainer forever. Whereas if you do this orthotropics or if you, you actually bring your bottom, your jaw forward into your teeth. And so that actually can stick if you, if you keep up the practices and all that stuff. I like this. I like free things that I can just do in my car as I'm driving to work. I know. The, the hard part is sticking to it. That's the hard part. That's with everything. Yes. Well, thank you, Lucas. That was very educational. Yeah, I learned way more about teeth uh, this past week than I ever thought I would. Every week you're blowing my mind with something. And this is definitely uh, something that I'm going to be practicing here on the ride home. Cool. Um, our email is quackspodcast at gmail.com. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, a bunch of stuff out there. So you can find us everywhere. And if you have a comment or a question, feel free to email us. If you if you have a topic you want us to talk about, send us an email. Please. We'll dive into it. That would be great. I love that. Yeah. Become part of the show. That's right. All right. Thanks, everybody. Be well. <laughs> <laughs>